Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What a jump ball! He's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first one. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Pistons fans, welcome to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Brendan Johnson, Aaron Johnson, Ryan Pay, we're all here with you again this week, talking Pistons basketball. It's NBA playoff time, we know that Detroit season is done, but boys, how we doing today? How we feeling? I'm doing good, you know, uh... It's always a long week in between recording another episode of the podcast. I love doing this. I love talking Pistons. I'm happy to be here. I'm doing all right, fellas. Let's get into it. Um, you know, taking a look at the Pistons, I think we want to kind of just start talking about the planning for next year, right? That's really all you can do um, in the offseason. I kind of want to talk for a minute about the other NBA playoff series going on as well. Um, but we'll get into that later in the podcast, you know, but taking a look at where the Pistons stand and, um, you know, something we've seen in these playoffs is the elite play at the point guard level. You know, we've seen Dame Willard, we've seen Steph Curry, we've seen, um, even a guy like, you know, Patrick Beverly, who's been playing point for the Clippers, who helped you know lead a charge along with Lou Williams and giving Golden State a series. Kyrie Irving playing well at the point. Um, you know, so we, we've seen some elite point guards. We've also seen some elite forwards, really, in the Eastern Conference with Kawhi um, and Giannis Antetokounmpo, obviously KD in the West. Point being... The Pistons really have a need at both of those positions. The two most important spots in basketball. And they may only be able to address one of them in the offseason. And right now you have Reggie Jackson as your starting point guard if you don't make an adjustment at that position. But the kind of starting small forward spot's open. You know, it was Bruce Brown this year. And, you know, what direction do you want to go with that? Do we... Do we keep Bruce Brown in that spot, or or do we maybe try to invest some money, make some trades to open up some cash flow, Aaron, to invest in the small forward position? Yeah, I think this is an interesting debate because you can really see both sides of the story. I think you'd like to upgrade from Reggie Jackson if possible. Uh, You know, he's a fine point guard. I think he really kind of put it all together in the second half of the season, finally got his feet under him, was making shots was making the right plays, and had a good playoff series as well. And you don't want to take that away from him. And then he also came out and said, you know, this is going to be the first offseason he's had in a while where he's going to have been healthy to just work out and train and get better. And we saw what that did for Blake Griffin last offseason. But at the same time, I, I think it's just kind of an, a known fact that Reggie Jackson as a starting point guard will only be able to take the Pistons so far. He's a good point guard. He does a good job, but he's just not elite. And he's not anything more than a a decent starting point guard. You look at the teams in the playoffs, and they all have good point guards. Look at who's left. Kyrie Irving, Kyle Lowry, Steph Curry, Damian Lillard. Uh, Jamal Murray's probably the worst point guard left in the playoffs, and he's probably better than Reggie Jackson, I would say. 
and then I'm missing one who uh, Ben Simmons. So there are uh, the teams that are competing have good point guards, and Reggie Jackson isn't at any of those guys' level. So you'd like to be able to make an upgrade there, but the Pistons have a glaring need at small forward. Throughout the entire season, they were in a terrible spot. They had no size. They had no defensive versatility at the small forward spot. And they didn't have anything more than uh, a knockdown three-point shooter if you want to consider someone like Wayne Ellington the small forward. Because I really think both the, the, the wing spots were just kind of, you know, liquid. It was no one really the small forward, no one really the shooting guard. But you either had a, a good defender that you could label as your small forward in Bruce Brown, but not with great size, or you had a shooter like Wayne Ellington as your small forward. Um, so, I think if I'm Detroit, I'm trying to spend my money on a small forward that can defend, that can shoot, maybe play a little bit inside as well. I think they can make do with Reggie Jackson for another season, see if he really does make any improvements after that offseason that he's hyped up. And you got to spend the bulk of your money at making an upgrade at small forward. I don't think you're wrong, Aaron. Um, I would love to upgrade from Reggie Jackson. And like you said, it's not that he's bad or had a bad season. He had a good second half. He seemed to be putting it together. And he's going into the offseason healthy. And that's great. But he's not an elite-level player. And in today's NBA, I feel you need an elite-level point guard to make any hay. Um, but at the same time, I think you can ride it out with him for one more year because the wing, the size, the depth, it's so poor on this team. It's its a glaring weakness, like you said. Um, and if Detroit wants to make any sort of move, even if you do upgrade at point guard, you still have a huge hole at the wing, and it's something that need, I feel needs to be addressed first, considering you do have Reggie in the fold. Uh, you, need, you need size, you need shooting, uh, and a bit of defense. And sure, you get some defense from Bruce Brown, but you get no shooting, no size. From Luke, you get the scoring ability, but you have no size. Wayne Ellington is a shooter, no size. It's it's a struggle. It's tough. And right now, like you, since we have Reggie Jackson in the fold for one more year, I guess you gotta give him the offseason because that wing uh, that wing hole is glaring. You know, part of me really thinks that if you're going to make a significant upgrade at the small forward position. You may even have to move Reggie if possible just to create enough cap to really Honestly, make a move. So I'm fine with making that move and getting rid of Reggie if somebody's willing to take him. And it's not necessarily about the return. It's about moving the money. Um, because if you can get an elite-level small forward to join Blake and Andre in the starting lineup, and you can run Luke out there. And we've seen that Reggie, Luke, Blake don't coexist well either. That doesn't mean it can't work. Doesn't mean an off an off season can't change that. But what we've seen so far has shown that that has not been a successful unit. But we have seen Blake really work well with guys like Wayne and Reggie Bullock in the two man game. And maybe Blake and Luke can you know start to develop that two man game this off season because it's so desperately needed for this offense. At the point guard position, though, if you bring in an elite level wing, you don't want a a uh, a possession heavy point guard. You want a guy that can distribute, that can keep flow to the offense, that can push the ball. Not a guy that needs to be a volume shooter. Reggie to get in rhythm still needs to be somewhat of a volume shooter. 
he's going to get his. Detroit would be much better suited with an elite wing that has the ability to shoot the ball uh, with with some variance and can drive to the cup as well. Open up some more you know driving and shooting lanes for Blake Griffin. Alleviate some pressure off of him, um, and a point guard that can just kind of keep the offense flowing. And um, and I'm okay with seeing how that goes for at least a year. And if Detroit finds that they really need to upgrade at the point guard spot, well, then they're going to lose a few more guys off the books where they'll have some money to go out and probably upgrade a point guard after next season. But I think Detroit takes a step closer to their end goal by upgrading at the small forward position now and dealing with point guard later. Because I think you can get by if you have an elite wing to pair with Luke, Blake, and Andre with an average point guard that's a good game manager as opposed to having an elite level point guard and a glaring need on the wing for Detroit. I don't think you're wrong, Brendan. I think that's a fair assessment. I just, like Aaron said, I, having high level point guards is crucial, but I think it's even more crucial in today's game to have that elite wing. Mm-hmm. And I am willing to say, I'll sacrifice Reggie Jackson. If No one, like I said, well, no one's safe for me. Like, and I get... You, it's going to take much more than Reggie Jackson. That's not, I get that, but nobody is safe for me mm-hmm. really outside of Blake. I'm willing to throw whatever is needed to make this team better. Here's the thing, though. Pretty much every team that has an elite point guard has another you know, elite wing with them, right? Steph Curry's you know, the elite point guard. But he's got two elite wings with him with Clay and KD. You know, Dave's an elite point guard, but he's got an elite wing in C.J. McCollum. You know? Um, Kyrie, he's got several wings, Jason Tatum and Gordon Hayward, you know, and even Marcus Morris. Um, he's got several guys to flow with him. You know, Ben Simmons is only as good as a guy like J.J. Redick helps carry him, right? So, you know, these teams that have, you know, elite point guards, even, you know, Toronto with a, a high-level point guard and Kyle Lowry, Kawhi Leonard, you could see the stats of when Kawhi's on the floor and not on the floor in terms of how their offense plays, you know? So, all of these great point guards have an elite wing or a couple elite wing players to pair with them. And I agree, Ryan, that's why it's more important to address that need first. Here's the thing. I think with the point guard kind of situation, and for the wing situation as well, if you want to make a serious improvement to go get you know, a pretty good player, you would have to trade Reggie Jackson because you need to get his salary off the books. But... For where the Pistons are at financially, the guys that could come into play for them are probably still even out of their price point if they actually want to get guys that are going to improve this team. You know, you look at a guy like Bojan Bogdanovic, a really good scorer, good shooter, can handle the basketball, really had a nice season for the Pacers. He's probably getting upside of $15 million in free agency. That's more than the Pistons have. Next guy on the list, Rudy Gay. That's probably a guy that's going to command at least $10 million per year. I would I would say that at least, and that would be the majority of the Pistons' cap space. You can maybe get Trevor Ariza on a bit of a smaller deal after the season he had this year, when he where he just was absolutely horrible. But at the same time, do you want that? And maybe he's just kind of falling apart now, and he's just mm-hmm. not that good anymore. He's aging and whatnot. Then there's Marcus Morris, who's probably right around that ten to twelve million per year price point as well. Uh, so the Pistons are going to spend the majority of their cap space in that area alone. And if they want to upgrade point guard as well, that becomes a whole nother situation. And if they actually want to get a guy that's really going to improve their team, 
they're going to need more money. If you want to get a guy like Bojan Bogdanovic, you have to clear cap space some way, and Rudy Jackson might be the only way to do it. You right. know, you're not going to get a guy to take John Luer unless you're giving up a draft pick. You're probably not getting any anyone to take Langston Galloway unless you're giving up a draft pick. Langston, I don't know. I I don't know what you could get in return for Langston, but I feel like if there was a team that went, oh, we need to get an expiring deal and prep for next year's free agency, and you didn't have to give up much, I could see you getting something just to get Langston Galloway off the books, the opportunity to move him. I just think, I don't know. I Lure think, you won't. I think $7 million, you know, in today's NBA... <laughs> I think teams are smart enough to say, we know you want off that contract, so you got to give us a pick with it. I just think teams are smart enough now. If you catch a team dumb, then do it. Yeah. Obviously. L- Lure has, you know, legitimately has no value. Langston, seeing the way that he played this year, could provide some yeah. value for Langston's- teams that they might be like, hmm, you know, Detroit could probably shop him around a little bit and get away with, well, maybe only having to get up a second-round pick, which... If you if you gave up Langston and your second for you know like maybe a swap second or something, I I, I think that's you know if it's done if, if you're giving up a pick and it's done to make an actual upgrade to the roster that's going to have some significant value then you absolutely do it. But I don't want the Pistons to be frugal with their draft picks and other young mm-hmm. assets because we saw what that's done to the franchise in years past under Stan Van Gundy and that's the last thing I want to reverse. Sure, to. sure. It's all about, you know, would it be done to make that, that big push? I think, I think Bordanovich would be a huge addition. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. But he's going to have plenty of suitors. You know, he's going to have Indiana wanting him back, and there are going to be other teams too. So it's going to be, as much as it's going to be, well, if we have the money, you know, you'd like to sign him, it's also got to be to see have the interest to come to Detroit too. So, But Bogdanovich would be a great get because he brings a lot to the table that would help the Pistons. I mean, like I said, more than just a shooter. He's, he's so much more than that. can get to the cup can handle the basketball, can run pick and rolls, uh, would bring a nice variety to the Pistons' offense that they wouldn't, that they they haven't had. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, taking a look at some of the guys that were on the Pistons' current roster, you know, you probably are really only going to sign one or the other between Ishmith and Wayne Ellington. I don't think you sign both. I don't think it's a wise way to spend the money that you have available. Um, so... You know, initially I was going to say, well, would you rather sign Ish or would you rather sign Wayne Ellington? But then there's a couple reports that have come out that I think are interesting and we need to bring up. The first one being that Derek Rose is a free agent option um, who will be, you know, a subject of debate within the front office. This is according to firsthand knowledge of the franchise thinking per Vince Ellis of the Detroit Free Press. Vince Ellis also said that there will be an interest in Patrick Beverly from the Clippers. So, you know, Vince is saying that Detroit may have an interest in both D-Rose or Beverly. I think Beverly commands more money than D-Rose. But, you know, both could be in a reasonable price point to where if Detroit made that upgraded small forward, maybe that's the direction you go at the point guard position, whether it be Beverly, whether it be Rose. And if it came down to that, Aaron, I'll start with you. Just to, I know that's kind of a lump sum of stuff right there, but where does your mind go when looking at that full situation? Well, I'll start with it if it comes down to keeping one of Ishmith and Wayne Ellington. I tend to lean towards Wayne Ellington. I think the Pistons can kind of make do with finding a, a, a backup point guard 
on a cheaper contract. I know Vincent Ellis also mentioned that another guy the Pistons could show interest in was Isaiah Thomas on one of those, you know, low value, but some there's some potential for a high reward kind of deals. Uh, so, I mean, I would be fine with a situation like that. But I think you got to keep Wayne Ellington because he was one of the, the few capable shooters on this roster. And hopefully it can be in a role where he's coming off the bench. Or, you know, I guess if he's starting at the two spot, as long as they have a three with some size. Again, I, I just have to drill that home because the Pistons have to get someone that's 6'8", six, six, you know, 6'7", six, 6'8", six, 6'9", uh, that's a small forward and can do a couple different things. But if they can have Wayne Ellington and bring him off the bench or use him as the starting two... He just can't be the best wing on the Pistons roster. He can't be the most important wing on the Pistons roster like he was when he came here. So if he can be brought in on a smaller role, I think he'll be able to get him on a pretty cheap contract. I really don't think he's going to command all that much. I don't think Ish Smith is going to either. I just think it'd be easier for the Pistons to replace Ish Smith than it, than it would be to for Wayne Ellington, who developed some really nice chemistry with Blake Griffin. And I get Ish Smith is that change of pace kind of point guard for Detroit. But if the Pistons could end up with a guy like Patrick Beverly, I would really be happy with that. I think Patrick Beverly would be a perfect fit mm -hmm. for the Pistons. I think, Brennan, when you talk about the Pistons should be going for a point guard that doesn't command a lot of shots in the offense but just kind of runs through it, Patrick Beverly is a picture-perfect guy. He's a leader. He's a fighter. He would fit in perfect for that Detroit style of basketball. That'd be a guy the city would absolutely go to bat for day in and day out. He's a great defender, would be a nice, you know, it would be... Think about be, Beverly be pairing great. with Blake Griffin. I think those two, just their mentality... Oh, well, I mean, they were, they were together for half a season in Los Angeles before right. Griffin got traded. So, uh, you know, Beverly would be a nice option. I'm not too keen on the Derrick Rose uh, potential. He had a nice season last year in Minnesota, but... I don't buy the shooting. Shot 37% from the three-point line on under three attempts per game. It's just one season. I'm really not buying that all too much. And I, I just there's there's that extra baggage with Derrick Rose. There's always that potential for a, a storyline. You know, the, his whole past with the the rape allegations and stuff. Just I, I don't want that as a backstory with the Pistons. I think when I look at different guys as they could go get, whether it's holding on to Ishmith. Patrick Beverly would be the, the the perfect option for me, and if they get Patrick Beverly, they might have to move Reggie Jackson because I think Beverly is right on the cusp of a starting point guard spot. He is. Oh, and he's a starting point he, guard. You know, he started for the Clippers this year, and you know they might went to the playoffs, and he's a, you know a darn good player. So I think he's a starting point guard. Um, so I think Derrick Rose excites me least out of those three, and I, I would just rather Detroit use the probable money that they would have to spend on Derrick Rose, seeing he's a guy that would probably get. I don't know, six, seven million. I think I'd rather use that money a little bit more for a wing and go get a cheaper point guard or invest in Patrick. How much Beverly. does a guy like Beverly you think cost the Pistons? Oh man, I don't know. I hate having to put value on, on guys. I'm not good at it. I just I don't know the value. I would probably say around nine million, ten million. Um, which is cheaper than Reggie Jackson because Patrick Beverly doesn't do as much mm -hmm, per se. But that, that leadership, that defensive intensity, that grit, like that all adds up. And for a team like the Pistons, when they're not if, if they can make a viable upgrade on the wing, they're not going to need as much scoring from the point guard spot. It would just be a perfect fit. I mean, you're not really going to get any dissension from me on this on all accounts. You pretty much stole, or said every, uh, every point I was going to make. I prefer Wayne Ellington over Ish Smith. I think Ellington coming off the bench, we need a shooter. Um... Desperately coming off the bench.
because I think Luke Kennard's going to move into the starting lineup. And I think he has to move into the starting lineup. And I think he has lineup. to. Um, so, I, I really, it's going to be hard to replace that shooting, whereas you can replace Ish Smith, not easily, but easier. Um, so I'd rather have Wayne Ellington. Um, in terms of the backup point guard position, I'm not opposed to Derrick Rose as much as you are, but I definitely would try to go after um, Patrick Beverly yeah. first. I just think, you know, the the attitude you talk about, I think that's so crucial in a city like this where a fan base prides itself and finds pride in its team when there's that junkyard dog mentality, that uh, Jerome Williams, that, that attitude. And uh, Patrick Beverly I would just get the crowd fired up every night with how hard he works, and you would just see this fan base buy into that and just lose their minds over something like that because that's what we believe in. That's what we buy into. And like you said, he is moving into a starting point guard role. So if that was a move you wanted to make, that be- makes Reggie Jackson more expendable and you're more willing to make a move to get a better wing. On You could trade a couple draft picks and Reggie Jackson and some sort of expiring deal to try to make an upgrade at the wing for a team that's looking to move and maybe start their rebuild if there's someone out there sure. like that. You know what I mean? Well. And the way that Reggie just played in the playoffs, I mean, his value might be a little higher now than exactly. it was at the end of the regular season to where, again, trading Reggie is not necessarily about the return. It's just about the cap coming off the books. Because am I the only one that's, like, getting goosebumps sitting here thinking about a Patrick Beverly, Luke Kennard, uh, Bogdanovich, Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond. Don't starting get your hopes lineup. up on Bogdanovich. I would not. No, yeah, I, I, I would, dude. I would lose. But if if you're trading Reggie mind. Jackson, I would have to believe, especially if you're throwing in a pick or two, which I don't know how I feel about. But if that's what you're doing, I would expect a good return. Yeah. Here's the thing with Reggie Jackson. I just don't think his value is as low as some people believe it. I is. don't think so either. I, I mean, thought, especially midway, after I the playoffs, in the mid at the midway point of the season, I'm like, wow, this guy might not have a ton of value. You know, doesn't have a ton of value. Now, I think his value is up. I'm not saying it's superstar level. Hey, you can go make a huge mo- like monster move. I'm just saying you're not. You don't have to. I don't think you're just giving him away. With him, I don't to, think like, you're just giving him away. Like it's not, it's not a salary dump trade anymore. No, no, I'm not. Call, but I'm not calling for salary. Dump. Right, right. I'm, I'm just saying for people in general yeah. kind of have that belief of Jackson is just like a salary dump right. kind of contract. I, and right I now. don't think, I when, don't think that's the case. When it's one year left on the deal for exactly. a guy who's found his stride again. Exactly. He's playing good. He's healthy, and he's on an expiring contract. There's value in all three of those categories. So the Pistons, if they wanted to trade him, which is it, it's it's fine that they do, but like. Don't do it just to get him off the books. Get something well, in return. Well, I disagree if you're able to make an upgrade in free agency. Because then getting him off the books allows you to your return to be making those free agency signings. But here's the thing. Even with the money available, I don't think Detroit's the top-notch free agent market. They're not. They're not. I think that's common knowledge. Every, every other sport, Detroit can make big money moves. Except in basketball. For some reason, basketball has its four markets and its couple sub-markets, and everyone else needs to build through the draft and build through trades. And I think Detroit's one of those teams that needs to build through the draft or build through trades. So if you are trading Reggie Jackson, I think you need to get value in return. I, I, I agree with Ryan because, like, yes, it'd be great for Detroit to have money, but there's also just a major concern that 
at the end of the day, no one's going to pick Detroit. Well, and that's fair. And it would have to be done maybe with a verbal consensus of, we have the money, we got Bogdanovich. Yeah. And you know, we what, have the money, we have, you know, name that free agent Detroit wants to go after. I don't know how big I am on Rudy Gay. I mean, how old is Rudy Gay now? 33? Yeah, it's like... You know, you got to... 34? You, you, all of a sudden, you're going from one of the young, young, promising teams of the league to having, you know, a couple starters, you know, over 30. I mean, Gay's... I don't know how, how many more years is he going to have of being worth $10 million a season, you know? Um, that's where going after somebody younger with more upside and an opportunity to be a little bit more of a longer-term options, way more exciting for the kind of money you're going to spend at that position. Um, well, Bogdanovich is 30. Yeah, but that's three more years than, you know, Rudy Gay. You'd have to, I'm just looking at it on paper. And it doesn't look like Bogdanovich is slowing down anytime soon. My only worry with that is he is 30, and if you're paying him, you know, I would say probably around $18 million per year. Wow, big jump. Aaron's at $15 million a year earlier. I said 15 to 20. I said in the 15 to 20 area. Did you? I thought you said about 15. Maybe I said 15. I meant in the 15 okay. or 20. Well, no, here. Might as well say 15. I think you only said 15, but it doesn't matter. Cause you should. It is 15 to 20. Because if Detroit wants him, they're going to have to overpay for him. Right. Sounds so about let's right. Say, let's say you're paying him 18 to $20 million per year. He's going to want a three- to four-year deal. So do you want to commit to paying him 18 to Th- $20 million when he's 34? Three-year deal is fine because it's the same amount you have left on the Blake deal. Like, everything should be structured around... Three years. That I do agree with. You have a three. It's a, it's a three-year window agree. because if you could get Bogdanovich to agree to a three-year deal, how many years does Andre have left on his deal? Is it three or is I, it four? No, I believe he's not this year or next year. I think he's the so, year after. So three years, right? Or he might. I don't think he's the does same he, year as Blake. I'm pretty sure he's two. I'll look, I, I'm pretty we'll sure he's got next year and then a player option or a team option after that. I think that's it. Well, Aaron confirms this, though. You know, if you could structure, you know, I mean, if you sign Beverly to a three-year deal, I mean, you might as well structure it in the Blake era, right? Oh, you have to. Because Everything has to be structured around Blake. Because, you know, Beverly's not a long-term guy. Bogdanovich isn't a long-term guy. At this so, point, Blake's not a long-term guy. But, but that three-year window to make a push and try to make minor moves. Drummond's got a player option. In the 2021 season, which I'm sure he'll accept because it's $28 million, $29 million. So he'll be an unrestricted free agent in the 2021 offseason. So he has next year and then the player option year, and then he's an unrestricted free agent. That's what I said. Two years. Two years. One and one. Two years. Um, Which is fine because it fits into the Blake Griffin window. It's just fine. He's going to resign in Detroit. I I don't see any reason for him to be leaving. that's a whole nother debate. That's a whole nother debate. Oh, man. That's, that's a, a whole, whole nother, nother debate Blake about has, the money he Blake should get. Blake has one more year after that. Correct. Yes. Yes. And yeah. then he's unrestricted in the 2022 offseason. Yes. Here's the thing, though. We're talking about signing free agents. A guy like Bogdanovich. And I'm telling you, I unless they way overpay... For a guy or two, it's not going to happen. But if they can clear up cap space in a way where they can make a trade then to get a guy? That's what I'm talking about. They're going to have to make a trade. Because unless they... they, Because they're not proven they're a winner yet either. You know what I mean? Sure. If Detroit had proven they are a winner, 
maybe that changes. Because Bogdanovich is still a mid-level free agent that maybe could have said, oh, man, Detroit's that up-and-coming team in the East. I could be that piece that takes them from, you know, six seed to three seed or two seed, you know? But the Pistons are far from that. And that's another thing, Worse, This team is not a proven entity yet. That's another thing that's gonna, more so than... Oh, I have to live in Detroit. There's nothing wrong with living in Detroit and living in the area. Right. And people realize that once they get here. And I don't think that's as much of a deterrent anymore as it used to be. It's just NBA is all about big market. Right. But even more so is the Pistons are not a proven winner. And that is going to keep free agents away as well. Until they win. Yep. And then have space for them. They're not bringing in the top guys on the market. I agree. I just I don't think that's happening. I don't disagree. I think I think Bojan Bogdanovich is obtainable. I just think you're paying him probably three to four million per year more than you're going to pay like another team. Another team would. Pay. Yeah, like the Pacers are like, yeah, we'll offer you seventeen and a half million a year. The Pistons are going to have to be like, yeah, here's twenty one. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, like, I they're going to have to blow I, him away. I probably think that's. I I, I think I agree with that. You think that the Pistons would have to pay like three and a half, four million more than Indiana would? It's not like he's coming from you know Brooklyn or he's coming from that team when Victor Oladipo plays is a different team, bro. Sure, but they're better. That. They're better than the Pistons. Yes, he has a better chance to win. He likes where he's at in Indiana. I do. And, agree. Yeah, I think yes, I'm they will have to, to see, way overpay. I'm interested to see what the Pacers do. With Bogdanovich, because yes, they will want to re-sign him, but they also are going to have to pay Demonis Sabonis, who they also want to keep. And I know they have some cap space, but they'll be locking themselves in too with Victor Oladipo maybe not being able to play again next season. So I'm wondering how much that will play into a factor. And if you're Bogdanovich, does Victor Oladipo maybe not being able to play next season? You know, does that become a factor? I believe their two point guards, Darren Collison and Corey Joseph, are both free agents as well. So interesting. They 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 have some cap space, but they have some holes to fill too. So I wonder how much they'll actually be able to offer Bogdanovich. I'm sure they'll make him an offer. I'm sure they'll give him seventeen, eighteen million dollars per year if it, if it really came. It'd down be to nice it. if they offered him sixteen. Detroit countered with eighteen and a half, and Bogdanovich just said yes, I'm there. Hey, I, Bo, I really think Bo, Bojan would would help this team a lot. A like, lot. Agreed. Very a much lot. agreed. It would be very but nice. It's not Detroit versus Indiana and the money for his services. It's Detroit versus the NBA. Yeah. You guys, we have to remember that. And like I said, if Detroit had been a proven winner where they just need that piece, then maybe that changes opinion. Hold on. Hold on. Aaron. What the hell, dude? What? If I was taking this stance and I was being the pessimist of this argument, oh, you would start cooking no, right now. No, I agree. No, no, no. You would start cooking right now. No, because... Be consistent. Look at... I mean, remember, <laughs> remember when the Pistons signed Josh Smith? That whole offseason, they were throwing those bigger contracts at Tyreek Evans, Andre Iguodala, and Josh Smith because they had to overpay to get one of them. And they ended up with Josh Smith, unfortunately. But they had to pay more than the other teams to get... You know, one of those best right. ones available. When you're not a big market and you're not a proven winner, you're going to have to overpay. And that scares me. I don't like that. We saw what happened with Ben Gordon and Charlie Villanueva. Yep. We saw what happened with uh, Josh Smith. I'm not. We've we seen what happens with John Moore and Langston Galloway. All different regimes, though. I all get, different no, players, you're though. You're not wrong. I agree. 
but let's not make the same mistakes. Dude, why are why are Ryan and I like going not like necessarily against the Pistons, but I guess we'll say I have a more pessimistic viewpoint. And Brendan's, Brendan's going, going with the, with the optimism. Viewpoint. I don't. What, the, what's going on this week? Normally, uh, Brendan wants to tell the Pistons get out of here. Go move to Seattle. Get out of here. I hate you. Yeah, move now, to Brendan's Seattle. Richard Jefferson. Yeah, I know Richard Jefferson <laughs> right. over here. Shut the hell up. That's way too far. Way too far. Okay. I want the way Pistons to also far. sign Jared Dudley in free agency. Just want to but put that in, in general. Back circling back to the point. Detroit upgrading it. Let's say let's say Patrick Beverly does. Detroit moves the needle for Patrick Beverly. Beverly, and he talks to Blake, and he's like, "Hell yeah, I want in. Let's make this happen." If let's say that's an actual scenario, moving Reggie Jackson and probably a pick for a good wing player is going to have to happen. I also have to imagine with Beverly that the Clippers have or want to bring him back. They I, absolutely, and do. I also want. I also would think to believe that. Beverly absolutely wants to be back. Oh, in Los absolutely, Angeles. of course. But I also have to think with the Clippers having the cap space to go make a major move, they also have Shea Gilgis Alexander at point guard, and he's he's the real deal. He's, he's going to be a he's very the dude. good point guard. He's that dude. Uh, you know they they have someone has to get sacrificed. They have guards, and does Patrick Beverly mean enough to them to to try to bring him back when he's probably going to want nine ten million dollars a year at least when they're trying to go get a Kawhi Leonard? When they're trying to go get a big name player, does bring back Patrick Beverly hinder that? Because do they want to spend their money on that when they have their point guard of the future in Shea Gilgis Alexander? I don't know. I, I, interesting. Every other team's going to have to make their moves before the Pistons get to make their moves in free agency. It's, it's, which it's, sucks. A, it's a chess game, and the Pistons are not ahead of the board right now. They're going to have to wait for dominoes and pieces to be moved. And, and something, to fall. It's something you guys have kind of alluded to, but, you know, to reiterate. A lot will also, if Detroit decided to trade Reggie Jackson, a lot will hinder on the return. You know, what, what value do you get back? What are you able to make out of Reggie Jackson? I'm not saying you have to get great value for Reggie Jackson. No, and I don't think you get great value for Reggie Jackson. No, you Jackson, won't. But, but I think you could get decent value for Reggie I just Jackson. don't, I, it cannot be a throwaway trade. You have to, if you're going to get rid of Reggie Jackson, fine. But you have to either get a pick of some sort or a player that can contribute to this roster of some sort. It cannot just be a salary dump. I just think the other thing to add is, or a verbal agreement between you and a free agent that, hey, you clear the cap, I'm there on this deal. It's done. Fine. Fine, I'll live with it. I will live with that, but I don't know how realistic that is. Uh, maybe it's not, but I'm just saying I, I think that that's something that needs to be considered as well. So one more thing I want to get into, guys, before we wrap up this week's pod is it's been announced that there will be a G League team coming to Detroit uh, as there's been an agreement with Wayne State to build a $25 million facility and G League basketball will come to the city of Detroit, which I think is an awesome program. You know, first of all, how awesome for Wayne State because now they're going to set up opportunities for you know jobs with their students for internships and employment at the facility and things like that. And I think they're going to take advantage of you know this partnership more than maybe the Grand Rapids schools have done with the drive. Not that they haven't, but I, I think this will take it to the next level. Yeah, this will absolutely um, be a hand in glove kind of thing where. Wayne State is directly going to yes. be affiliated with with the with the Pistons so G League. That's huge. Uh, sidebar piece: Watch for this to turn Wayne State into a potential Division One 
threat down the road, uh, you know, maybe a move towards wanting to get out of the GLIAC and into D1. Totally separate, just wanted to throw that out there so it's on the record. Um, but the Grand Rapids drive, you know, they, Grand Rapids does not want to lose this team. The drive don't want to leave Grand Rapids necessarily. There's there's some major conflict here. Um, but when that news came out just the other day, Aaron, I'll, I'll start with you. Just kind of talk about what your reaction was and your thoughts on G League basketball in the city of Detroit. Look, absolutely feel feel sorry for uh, the Grand Rapids people. I would assume this ends up with the drive coming to Detroit. I just there's not there's just not independently owned G League teams that aren't affiliated with an NBA team. So I think it's going to end up that the drive end up in Detroit. I just it's going to be tough to see it ending in any other way. So I definitely feel sorry for the people of Grand Rapids. Uh, you know, I guess they were really starting to embrace the drive, which is great. But this is huge for Detroit, and this is what Tom Gores wants to do. He wants to bring everything back to Detroit. He wants to build his Pistons empire in Detroit. And doing it at Wayne State, you're connecting with the city in another way. You're going to have Wayne State now as it's really going to become a, another source of fandom for the Pistons. You're going to have Pistons stuff going all around Wayne State. And, and the G League being there is going to be awesome for the city. It makes it easier to send guys down and bring them up, whether you have two-way guys, you have your rookies you want to send down to get a game in, then come back the next day for practice. It's easier to, you know, a 15, 20-minute drive from LCA to Wayne State than it is, you know, a two-and-a-half-hour drive from LCA to Grand Rapids. Uh, so this is great for the city. It's great for the Pistons. And it goes back to what Tom Gores has been, you know, wanting to do and has, has you know, he's taking his plan into action. He's bringing everything back to Detroit. I, I'm really, I really like it. I think it's going to be awesome. I know I'm definitely, it's it's definitely going to be an enjoyable, enjoyable experience for us. You know, being able to go to Wayne State, it's a much closer drive, it's a much closer commute, so it's going to be a, a fun experience. No, I think I agree, Aaron. I think it's great uh, that they want to make this move, that they want to make this happen. It's great for all parties. It's great for the city of Detroit. It's great for the Pistons. I, I think it's great for the drive, even though I understand there's a strong tie and feel and love for Grand Rapids and it's great for Wayne State. It's just great all around, I feel. Um, and I mean, for, for the basketball junkies who love their Pistons, who love NBA basketball, when guys like Svee and Kyrie aren't getting the minutes, now it may, not so much next year, but like, let's say it would have been this year, you can go see those guys play because, you know, they're sick, they're sick people who love NBA basketball, want to see everything. How are these young guys performing? They just eat it all up. It's right there for the fans right here in Detroit to go see when, um, how their young guys are doing. When Bruno Fernando and Cam Johnson aren't getting enough minutes, you want to go catch a drive game. Yeah, catch a drive game. They'll be playing for the drive. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. But that's like that's what's great about it. And then, like you said, bringing it back to the city, helping the city out. It's helping Wayne State out. All of a sudden, Wayne State's opening up their sports management program. And, you know, It's great for them and all this stuff. And good for the same. I mean, I have other thoughts on it, but that's not really basketball-related. We'll keep it basketball-related. It's it's a good move. I mean, like, it just it helps transactionally as well. I think a big factor for, you know, calling guys up and sending them down is you're not sending them two and a half hours away. You don't have to make them make that drive. They're right here. Right and we know Dwayne right Casey wasn't street. fond of that. And you know Dwayne Casey hated that. That's huge. To have them just be able to be like, yeah, just come on over. You know, right now. Because realistically... 
realistically, Kyrie Thomas could have got a lot of more minutes down in Grand Rapids. A ton more minutes. Could have been doing so much more activity. But so much more activity for when you, Kyrie Thomas. You, but you also want to have him available if necessary, and you want to practice yes. with the main team. It's, it's like, all right yeah, there. I, I mean, I'd like him to be able to go play in this game, but I lose him, you know, on a two-and-a-half-hour drive there and a two-and-a-half-hour drive back. I don't have a day or two with him now to work with him. Yeah. On both You're ends. You're sacrificing a You're day You're sacrificing stuff. Mm-hmm. With this, you don't have to. And I that is just it's fantastic special. for the team. That connection and just being right there. Both being able to train, really, if, if they decide to, in that new you know facility that's being built, nearly sure done. That, I, would, I would assume I would that ass- would have some right. connection. Did, no, did I see another part of it? it was Goris wants to finally build that practice facility for yes. the Pistons, too? Yes. I think it needs to get done. I think it's in the process. I think it's been slow. Okay. But it needs it, and it I think needs this helps boost too. it. Because I didn't, I didn't read the full report on this. I know but. there's a lot of talk right now about the... Um, downtown Detroit area, not getting all the upgrades that were said to be coming. Oh yeah, that's a dis- dis- that's a different conversation. Just like I said, so we won't get into that. But but yeah, that needs to get done. But I would, I mean, I would hope that the Pistons would kind of include the their, their G League team in that new practice facility as much as they can because I like the G League. I think there's a lot of good things about it, but they have to do better for paying their players. Better amenities, better training facilities, better all of that stuff because they they are severely lacking in that area. And this is one way where the Pistons could at least do their part in making it a, a better playing experience for the players. Because I mean, let's be honest: if you're playing in the G League, you can probably go play overseas and you can make a lot more money overseas. Honestly, you're only making right. I think the top players in the G League get around, I want to say, forty five, fifty grand. Maybe it's up in the sixties now, but. That's still not that much for making, you know, a G, you know, a G League, a professional it. basketball player. You can go make, you know, significantly money more money over, overseas. overseas. Yes, they're willing to pay overseas. They want players overseas in Europe. So you gotta, you gotta make it a better experience, and that's in the G League to raise salaries and make more stuff available. But you know, hopefully, this is an opportunity for the Pistons to do their part in making it uh, a better experience for the players as well. Overall. I think it's, you know, from the city of Detroit perspective, positive. You do feel for the people in Grand Rapids, um, you know, because, man, that's kind of a blow. I mean, that was that's what that was what you pride. I mean, between them and the Grand Rapids Griffins, I mean, that is your, your go-to. Go downtown, go to Beer City, and then go to a game. So, you know, for the people in Grand Rapids, it sucks. But I think for overall the Pistons benefit and, and for Detroit, Huge, huge gap, yeah, and it's exciting. It's just a no-brainer move for the Pistons. You know, bring everything downtown. You're going to get a better draw downtown. There will be more people interested, and hopefully that's able to spark some interest in the Pistons mm-hmm. themselves. You know, Grand Rapids is a great city and whatnot, but it just doesn't do enough for the Pistons. The Pistons, right. Where it it, it, make, it, it, it it would outweigh them wanting to move to Detroit. So it's unfortunate for them, but... At the end of the day, it's a smart move for the organization. Agreed. So Detroit making some big moves and further solidifying their presence in Detroit, obviously after the announcement of the the G League move to the city in that contract with Wayne State. So pretty exciting stuff. And overall, boys, a good podcast today. A lot of interesting topics, a lot of you know, interesting moves that will be made in free agency. And obviously it's early. The playoffs are still going on. You know, that that Philly-Toronto series is shaping out to be pretty exciting. We'll see what happens in Game 3 between Milwaukee and Boston. You know, out in the West, 
Looks like Golden State may have the hold on Houston. We'll see what Houston can do in Game 3 if they're able to steal one back. And Denver and Portland looks to be pretty exciting as well. So yeah, that's a good series. That's a good series. It's uh, good playoff basketball on, so enjoy it. Hey, we'll see the Pistons there next year. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. But Aaron laughs about it, so that tells you how serious that may be. Wow. Yikes. Again, Brendan, the Pistons fan this week, Ryan and I, the uh, as Brendan likes to say, the realists. We're realistic. So, you know. So, anyways, uh, before you go, like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. You know, leave a comment saying how much you appreciated my takes today. That would be greatly appreciated here on the podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Palace of Pistons, Instagram at Palace Pistons. We're on Facebook uh, as well. You can follow Aaron on Twitter at a Johnson NBA, Ryan at Ryan Pay, myself at Media Brendan. Uh, and until next time. Enjoy playoff basketball, and we'll see you next week to discuss more Pistons here on the Palace Pistons Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.